With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Happy Saturday morning, everyone. White Sox fans, friends, enemies, uh, acquaintances. <laughs> You are now listening to the Northside Sox podcast. My name is Janice Gurrio. Along with me is the wonderful, the one and only, or maybe there are many of you, I don't know, Sam <laughs> Sherman. Today is a very special episode of Northside Sox. Well, we have finally convinced someone to join us on this show. <laughs> yes. And it, is no, it is none other than someone that I hold in very high regard. It is Herb Lawrence from the Locked on Socks podcast. He is my favorite Herb besides dill, parsley, oregano. But Herb, uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us. It is very awesome to have you on as our first guest. Herb, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate uh, the shout out there. I, and I'm much better than Dill. Much, much better. I, <laughs> my friend Leonard uh, Gore uh, actually defended my my rankings yesterday as the best herb. And somebody had Dill up there and I was like, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Dill is kind of a bull- bullshit herb if, if, if we're just like... One of the worst. <laughs> being completely honest here. Yeah. I saw that tweet. So that's where I got that inspiration. Yeah, you are certainly up there if not at the very top of the Herb rankings. Uh, but anyway, uh, because this is our seventh episode of Northside Sox, uh, first of all, it's really great that we have gotten this far. It is really great that uh, you all are, have been listening uh, along this journey that Sam and I have started uh, just right after the season ended. We decided yeah. to get together and start a podcast because we have White Sox opinions that we like to talk about. And yeah, we, we were under the impression that maybe other people would like to listen to our White Sox opinions. So in that regard, we would like to call episode seven, kind of taking from our esteemed guest uh, along the same naming conventions uh, on Locked on Sox and calling this episode the Tim Anderson episode. So uh, yeah, I, f- I figured we would start by kind of uh, shouting out Tim and kind of uh, remembering some of his awesome accomplishments from uh, this past season. That sounds good to me. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Tim is a, a superstar that I didn't expect to be this good this early in his career. And it's amazing that he is uh, worked on himself and has become the player that he has become. I'm, I'm, all, I'm uh, amazed by the dedication. And then it's like a light switch turned on on him, like from he was good, but now he's on another level. Absolutely. He is the face of the franchise, uh, unarguably. He's a big personality, great player, great human being. Uh, now he's on the cover of RBI Baseball. Is that right? I, I don't play RBI yeah. Baseball. I'm, I'm more of a show girl. 
Uh, yeah, I played <laughs> the show too. So yeah, RBI baseball's fine for youngsters, but yeah, the show is where it's at. Right. I heard everyone kind of saying that uh, it's it's a multi-platform game, and uh, I was like, is there anything else you could say about this game besides that it's multi-platform? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, hey, yeah, if you have an Xbox, you can play it with me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking, the thing I, I love, I think, the most about Tim Anderson is the fact that in sports we see uh, pretty often guys like that that will talk a lot or it'll be like you know you'll we'll hear this the off-season stories about they're working on this they're working on this the best shape of their life kind of stories whatever and it's like you know from the beginning um you know tim anderson kind of had i guess not from the very beginning but there was sort of this confidence building and you know even through defensive struggles or even through some of the early struggles at the plate whatever it may have been um and he kind of he kind of stayed on this idea that like no i'm gonna i'm getting there i'm getting there i'm getting there and and not only did he get there, but he surpassed, I think, any of our wildest expectations. Um, and it's just about backing up talk. And I think it's it's we don't see that a lot in sports when guys are talking. And I think that it's there's nothing cooler than when than when it's backed up. Uh, and, uh, and and especially with like what we've seen in, in baseball uh, now of, of that slow, slow, slow uh, crawl towards um, making base or trying to make baseball. Uh, attractive to younger audiences, um, despite despite baseball's best efforts. Um, but it's guys like Tim Anderson who, you know, not only um, are making it, you know, are kind of vocalizing that that aspect of let's, you know, let's tra- change the game a little bit, but he's actually backing it up with being one of the best players in, in the game, honestly, which is pretty awesome to me. Absolutely. He says what he means and he does what he says. Uh, so I, I met Tim Anderson around this time uh, this year at SoxFest, actually. Uh, just super cool, friendly guy to chat with. Uh, so I asked him, hey, Tim, so uh, what's the deal with on the defensive side? So what are you doing to improve that? And he told me that he was working on it. A uh, very short, succinct answer. He's like, I'm always working. I'm always looking to improve my game. And uh, look what happened this year. Uh, at shortstop, he has improved defensively just so much. Fin- finished with a positive DRS this year, I'd like to add. So, uh, yeah, I certainly saw the improvement myself uh, with some of the plays that he was making. Uh, so otherwise, I'm, I'm really proud of the progress he's done. Um, and on the hitting side, he can just hit absolutely anything, which uh, definitely kind of pushed him. He very well could have been the 2020 batting champ. Uh, but, yeah, he still reads pitches very well. He does these last-minute adjustments. He's got these fantastic bat-to-ball skills. And, uh, yeah, if you just look at his BABIP uh, for 2020, it was at 383. Uh, so... For you fantasy folks at home, that's a very attractive stat. So uh, yeah, I'm just overall, I, I, I can't say en- enough good things about Tim Anderson. He's so fantastic. Herb, what was your take on, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the, just as far as the this past week, not to, when he, we, we kind of got Tim Anderson's extended comments a little bit, uh, first first extended comments on Tony Larusa and all that, that kind of potential relationship. And he talked a little bit about that. And and reading it, I, I didn't I didn't see the comments being said, but at least over text, seeing how he he worded it, I I didn't come away. And I, I mean, I, I appreciate that he speaks his mind freely. I, I just I, I don't I didn't come away with great confidence. And I don't I'm not saying that um, that, you know, you know, when he talked how he how he, he kind of brought it to ended up like, oh, well, he talked a lot about Rick Renneria. He kind of diverted it into talking about the relationship he had with Renneria and that kind of said to me, I don't know how this is going to go. Do you think that matters really ultimately to, to getting, you know, ultimately being a world series contender, that relationship? Um, having 
a good working relationship with your manager, I think off the field, it matters like how you feel. And if you think that everything that you do, you know, baseball wise and while you're in the clubhouse matters to you winning later on, I guess it does matter. I don't think Tony La Russa in the day to day, like while they're on the field will cost them games. Let's say that, but there might be some headbutting. like Tim likes to be him. And he, in that press conference said that the players established the chemistry in that clubhouse. And he, he went out of his way to say like, yeah, this is a player's clubhouse. Like we worked hard and we have chemistry in there and pretty much said that, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. And yeah, Tony's the guy, but we're going to do us. So uh, he said he's been texting with them. So if, if, you know, if he could just work our way through Tony, not thinking that he's Hall of Fame baseball person and going to come in here and wreck shop, then I think their working relationship would be good. If Tony can impart some knowledge that Tim doesn't have, cool. If Tim can say to Tony, hey, what do you want me to do in this regard when he needs some extra guidance, smooth. But otherwise, there's no moving Tim from the leadoff spot. There's no, hey, Tim, I don't like you throwing the bat on the ground when you hit a home run. No, none of that stuff is going to work. And if there is, it's going to be some headbutting. Tim's going to be like, no, I don't give a damn what you want. Who are you going to play instead of me? You want to play Larry Garcia? Enjoy yourself. I'm starting. I'm <laughs> one of the best shortstops in the game. Yes, it's tough for you as an old school dude to get this this uh, feedback from me, but you're not putting Adam Eaton in front of me. Now what? <laughs> I guess I just have this fear that like the opening day lineup's going to come out. Cause again, Tim said, uh, says, you know, he sets, he's going to, he makes the lineups. And so he does make, he will make the lineups and it's like the opening day lineup comes out and then we're going to see Adam Eaton right at the top. <laughs> I'm be so pissed. Like it's established. Like our lineup we had last year, I think was the perfect way to put yeah. it. With Timmy up the top, Johan, if he's returning back to the old Johan, Johan, solid is number two guy. Love Yasmani as the three guy. Gets on base a lot for our RBI slash MVP, Jose Abreu at four. And then you got Eloy at five. I mean, we're cooking with gas there. If Hector Gomez is right. We're getting uh, <laughs> my man Nelson Cruz boomstick. Get your ass six. Imagine Nelson Cruz hitting six. Oh, my and goodness. then we're just – just going down the line and with a perfect ideal spot for Adam Eaton is to be hitting ninth, turn that lineup right right around. Like, can we, can we agree on that? Or him or Nick Magical, one of the two, but not Adam Eaton at the beginning of the lineup. No, absolutely not. I think this lineup uh, has enough flexibility in the sense that it, it, it will be very difficult for Tony LaRusso to make a bad lineup. Uh, so I think early on when Tony LaRusso was first announced, we were doing our typical com compartmentalization uh, and kind of unpacking, uh, say, uh, what the implications of this, uh, of this signing would be. So uh, yeah, I think one of the first things that we said is that this team might win in spite of him. Uh, so just even if there's a little bit of an classic clash of ideology, I feel as if this team is like, like Herb said, is it's all player based. It's all like, the energy, just the the will to win, I guess, is all coming from the players. So. I feel that too. Like with most baseball teams, it's players are going to win these games. Managers. That's why I wasn't too perturbed that Ricky was gone. It's like fine, but when they brought Tony in, it just said a different thing. I mean, before even his DUIs, I was like, 
this old school garbage manager is going to be trying to change how these people feel and how they do work and right. judging sincerity and garbage like that. Come on now. <laughs> this is baseball. It's just a game. It's a fun game. And you're going to be coming in trying to police fun. And that's never going to work. That, that was our thoughts too. Uh, just basically we had this fun, exciting team. And it, at the time it felt like it was taking uh, two steps back when this team was trying to take a few steps forward. But uh, yeah, it's still a fun, awesome team, uh, despite Tony Larusa. And just even thinking, I think one thing that kind of helped me process the whole thing is thinking of him as kind of like a fictional character. It's like, so, so, so what are his motivations? So why does he want this job? So uh, yeah, it, it's almost like a, a baseball comedy where you've got, yeah, this old school manager uh, kind of with the whole set in his ways and way of doing things, like approaching this list, like fun, exciting young team. Uh, fictionally, it, it, it's a great idea, right? Because it's, it's going to be like potentially very entertaining, but how it translates uh, in the real world, in the baseball world, uh, that has yet to be seen. I just wonder, yeah, like you were saying, what is in for Tony? He's got World Series championship. He's got the Hall of Fame. He's established. What does what the White Sox winning a World Series do for his legacy? I mean, does, do people say, wow, he's a great manager? They already say that about him. He's already got that. He's already got the confirmation from the Cooperstown date, which I happen to be at because of the same day that Frank Thomas got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so the motivation there to grind for 200 plus days of travel and all this stuff, dealing with the media, pre and post. These and things blows, yeah. that people... Too. Yeah, exactly. Global pandemic. He's in his late, what, 70s? What is there that is very like enticing to him to get back out there and do these things for what is the payoff? The money's not there. The fame's not there. The notoriety's not there. It's just love of the game. Missing that. That was the thing, though. I, I remember, like, one of the reports, and I promise we can move on from Tony LaRusse after this. And I brought it up, so I apologize. But uh, I just, I remember one of the reports being that, you know, he had to be convinced, he had to be talked into taking this job. And that was the thing that just pissed me off the most because it was like, and we talked about this, Janice, um, you know, early on in one of the earlier episodes. But uh, it, it's like, with all the, the the qualified candidates out there and all the all the you know the the people out there that um would would do anything for this opportunity and then you've got this guy that had to be talked into the to the job is uh kind of a, a slap in the face to the to the process of, of all that but it is what it is and Janice like you said still a fun team on the field um still a lot to be uh, a lot to be excited about um but I guess that kind of brings me to the next thing that I'm thinking about which is is it weird for for you guys at all going into this season now that the whites, I mean, last season we knew there was a pretty good chance that they'd be a, you know, a good team. Um, but this season it's kind of at another level where for me, the, the expectations I, I've always said, like now it's like Sox fandom and now plus expectations. This is not a plus good expectations is not a, is not a normal space for us. Uh, and, and so does it, does it feel, how does that feel for, for you guys as far as just having these legitimate, quite frankly, World Series expectations. Herb, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on this are. <laughs> well, um, it's a good place to be at, but I'm always, like you guys, cautious as a White Sox fan because we know who our owner is. We know already he's meddled with the team with the hiring of Tony La Russa. 
we're at the precipice right now. We're at a place where we've, we're told we're going to be at. And now we're here. And it seems to me, at least, we're trying to Jerry Reinsdorf the hell out of this contention where we're getting things for pennies on the dollar instead of just going for full price. You know, we're at this spot where I see the Padres. They're like, we need starting pitching. Cool. Let's go and get Blake Snell. That would have been great offseason, Padres. Like, F that. Darvish. You know what? We're not good enough. Let's go and get Joe Musgrove. Okay. And also, our lineup is stacked. Let's just bring back a utility guy in Jerickson Profar who could have started for a lot of teams. We're not done. We're trying to chase the Dodgers. That's what the Padres' mindset is. We're in this window now, currently. And they're talking about extending a 21-year-old that's played a year and a half for $300-plus million. That's how you do it while you're in your window. You don't mess around. They are, like, next – like, they still – like, if the Padres would have just said, we're going to go with Snell because next year we're going to have Clevenger back – we're going to be so solid with McKenzie Gore, one of our prospects, what we held on through all this trading. I've been like, yeah, that's great. But they're like, no, we're not resting. The Dodgers are the World Series champions. That's in our division. We need to win our division and then win the World Series. That's what I want the White Sox to feel like, like not just be better than the Twins or the Indians. Who cares? Be better than the Yankees. Like the Yankees are up here getting people, bringing DJ LeMahieu back and getting starting pitching. And we're just sitting here right now where our fourth and fifth starters are really questionable. Our bullpen, 100% great. I love the bullpen. I love Liam Hendricks. It was awesome. But these are continuation moves. Getting Liam Hendricks, continuation moves. Like, one more move. Nelson Cruz, excellent. I don't know if that finishes the offseason off. If you get Ozuna, if you get Bauer, the offseason is perfect, and then we're moving forward towards championship contention, not just AL Central. No one, we didn't do this to win the AL Central. It's it'll be great. We haven't done that since 2008. It'll be awesome to do that, but no one's a White Sox fan. It's like, man, that 2008 AL Central championship. Look at that banner every day. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> no, we do it for that 2005 championship or that 1917 or the 19. 19- 08 or 1906 championship. That's what we do it for. And so I don't think they're going far enough. They're just trying to get by. And that's disappointing so far. And prove me wrong, White Sox. That'll be great. I would also like to be proven wrong uh, as well along those lines. So, uh, yeah, talking about the Padres for a minute. So, yeah, uh, must be really fun and exciting to be a Padres fan to kind of uh, see, oh, hey, here's this good player and just be like, okay, let us acquire said good player and just make sure that we're assembling the strongest roster of the top notch uh, free agents uh, and players around. So it's very fun and exciting for them. Love all of those moves for the Padres. And so just thinking, uh, diverting back to the White Sox a little bit, that was one of the reasons I was so incredibly disappointed by the Eaton signing, where we're just basically taking uh, one negative war player in uh, Nomar Mazara and replacing him with another negative war uh, player in, in Adam Eaton. So, I mean, like, is he an improvement over Mazara? Maybe, possibly, uh, highly likely. But the thing is, though, the White Sox certainly had so many other options out there. 
uh, and just decided to go uh, into the uh, in, into the clearance rack. So I was pretty disappointed, still somewhat disappointed uh, in that acquisition. But hey, maybe maybe uh, he could prove me wrong. I would be very happy to be wrong at that point. So. And to your point, like they didn't just go to the clearance rack; they like jump people to get <laughs> to Adam Eaton. And like this is the hot stove time where you're seeing all these good moves in January. They were like. Yeah, December, in the middle of December, we got to go and get Adam Eaton because he's <laughs> We got to get that guy. Ugh. And it's, it's just like a warm, comfortable break. It, that's what it feels like. Uh, the Jerry Ryan's are, oh, we remember this. We were kind of good with us. He won a World Series with the Nationals. Cool, let's bring him back. Yeah, Janice, you talked You talked a, an episode a while back when this happened, and, and, and Herbert kind of has to do with what you just said, where it's like nobody was talking about Adam Eaton. There was no list that any team uh, yeah he was on yeah. no <laughs> no one was like hey you know what i think adam eaton's a free agent after this year <laughs> in our bar in our, our ball club no one was talking about that yeah i think the white Sox have to be high on lists of of teams that acquire players that after they're on the, after the time that they're on the white Sox, they like retire or like no no other team and I feel like that's kind of, that's very possible. It's going to happen here with this Eaton signing, where I don't know if Eaton's going to get another opportunity after this. Uh, you know, we'll see how he does. I mean, but at the same time, it's just like I just feel, and I of course I'm blanking, but you know, you look at whether it's like the Melky Cabreras or all these different guys that that the Sox get, and then they have they do, you know, they play however they play, and then all of a sudden you never hear from them again. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just a, a very. Uh, it, it, yeah, like Herb, like you said, it's Jerry Reinsdorfing this whole this whole process. Um, and you kind of get the impression, like, in a way, Jerry sort of wants to – he wants to be able to – and I think this has also speaks to the La Russa hire, which he, I think he wants to be there at the end holding the trophy, saying, you know, I – this was – I did it my way. You know, I did it – I did it the uh, – you know, this was the uh, – this, this was my, my fingerprints all over this kind of thing, or at least – smudged over it in some way um but um but yeah no I'm, I'm jealous of you with the with the Padres fandom though because like Janice said you know it's never get seeing players saying I want that player bringing the players in uh and then it, it I can't stand how the White Sox offseason you know they've done some things obviously but sort of inaction is is justified when people say well look what the Padres are doing and then it's sort of like Oh well, the Padres have to compete. Herb, like you said, against the Dodgers. Well, that's true, but that's not a reason that the White Sox shouldn't. You know, the White Sox are in another another league altogether. So, um, I wish that there was more of that mentality of like, does a Nelson Cruz help? Yes. So, so sign Nelson Cruz. So does that? You know, then they look to the fan base. Is that enough? Well, no. Keep going. The money's there. The money was supposed to be spent. It's it's seems to be comfortably spent on on closing pitchers, as we've seen with David Robertson, and now with Liam Hendricks and both moves that I, I liked at the time. And I like now, um, but I, I'd like to see some more additions ultimately. Um, and it seems like on a daily basis, seeing what the Padres are doing out there, it's, 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 uh, you know, good for them. Every time Janice sends me a text with, you know, they got this, uh, top, top 10 Cy Young finishing pitcher. It's like, Oh, good for them. <laughs> good for that fan. Now, base. The one thing the White Sox have over the Padres is the bullpen. The bullpen on the White Sox is just ridiculous. Uh, we were just going over it, and I had forgotten that Garrett Crochet was in there too because, you know, we got like what, six innings of him this past year. 
And so when you look at Liam Hendricks and then you're Aaron Bummer, it's kind of like that Oakland, when we're going into the Oakland series, they're like, they only got to pitch five innings because then they got the Wendell Kid guy and then they got Joachim Soria and other players that are going to sh- shut you down because the game is over now. And that's what I feel about the White Sox. And I think they're relying on that way too much. They have three solid starters, awesome starters, top three, great. But when you're going with Dylan Cease as your number four, you're going to need that bullpen to be de- dipped into a little bit. I want only one of those type of times in the rotation where oh, this guy's going to be questionable, a five and dive. And then, yeah, our bullpen's got him knocked out for the rest of the time. So, you know, Evan Marshall, filthy. We got Cordero, who started pitching much better at the end of the year after Ricky used him like every damn game. Like the, all these things in the Foster Hoyer additions last year, surprising, but excellent last year. So there's no bullpen. I think in the American league, they say the Yankees, but I'm, I think the White Sox have the best bullpen in the American league and the Padres. They, while they spent money on their offense and their starting rotation, they're going to be going into next season with maybe Drew Pomerantz as their closer. Great reliever. Not a closer, I don't believe. He's not a guy that's going to be getting uh, 25, 26, and 27 of the games consistently. So they still got work to do there. The White Sox are locked up for that. I just want them to have that mentality as this is not over. We like Trevor Bauer might be our guy. And the rumor we had last week about Corbin Burns, man, oh, man, that would be great. I don't think people know enough about Corbin Burns. But if you remember that Milwaukee game when he was play- facing the White Sox, filthy really filthy. It'll be a great addition. And it's a Jerry Reinsdorf-like move where you don't have to pay a lot for a guy. You have years left on the contract, probably wouldn't have to pay a lot in prospects. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I saw those Corbin Burns rumors. Uh, I've been high on Burns for a little bit. Uh, Yeah, he did really fantastic uh, last season. Uh, yeah, just got a really great pitch mix. Uh, yeah, I think he would fit really well, especially in the white the back of the White Sox rotation for sure would be a very solid four or five for absolute sure. Uh, I'm just thinking of some of the rumors I saw, though, that apparently uh, the, uh, the Brewers decided to pull things back because the Brewers found out about Garrett Crochet. I'm pretty sure that was just uh, <laughs> more of a fictional uh, fictional story at best, but I just thought that was pretty funny that, uh, yeah, they just dis- they just discovered that the White Sox had this recently drafted, uh, just uh, hard-throwing left-hander, like second coming of Chris Sale. Uh, and <laughs> the Brewers front office were, were like, hey, wait a minute, let's pull back. Like, why are we asking for, like, Cody Hoyer? L- l- let's ask for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how... Um, it's probably more than likely fictional, but I just thought that was pretty funny. But. Yeah, when I did see the initial trade, I was like, is that it? Nick Madrigal? And who was it? Nick Madrigal and, like you said, Cody Hoyer and a couple other guys? Like, okay, where, why isn't Kerbin Burns on the White Sox right now? Exactly. And like you said, yeah, they're like, oh, oh, the White Sox are too eager to accept this deal, so we must be messing up. Let's ask for bigger, bigger and better. Come on, Ma. Yeah, but then I can't – then you see the, 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 the problem is, is that – all us three can see that and be like, yeah, smash the trade button. But then there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot of Sox fans that, you know, you can see the replies to, to tweets or on forums or whatever. And they're like, Nick Madrigal. No, I don't think so. And it's just like based on what, I mean, again, I, I think, I think, you know, certainly Nick Madrigal saw, could be a very solid player showed us some things last season. Um, Strike but, hitter. I love that. 
Yeah, yeah. But, singles, but I mean, yeah. Would you rather have someone that just hit bombs all the time? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. But um, I, I do, we talk, I think every episode to some extent about prospect hugging here. Uh, it's, it's pretty annoying to see that you see with the Padres again, to go back to that for a second, they don't, they don't really, although Herb, I will say it's frustrating. It seems like every, every trade that they've made, I'm always like, all right, one of those top guys going, one of those top guys going, and somehow they've been able to keep like the top guys. And I don't know if they're just trading the the 20 other top prospects in the system, if that's what they've done. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they even went into their top 10 prospects for the Snell trade. I think it was all just. Yeah, uh, more extraneous prospects that uh, at least I haven't heard of. But I'm not, I'm not too big. I, I don't, I don't know too much about the Padres farm system. Uh, yeah, they traded a catcher they required from the Indians a couple of years ago. Um, that uh, Francisco Mejia, he was highly thought of back in the day because his pop and his bat. And then a guy, I think uh, I forgot the specific name, but he was in their bottom ten and. He's good. I think he played in the major leagues. I'm blanking on his name right now, but uh, I think he was a, a, a up and coming pitcher that throws hard. But Mackenzie Gore still in the still in the squad. Like I was thinking, one of their top two prospects has to fall for you, Darvish has to. And they're like, nah, all lottery tickets, all like probably top fifteen in the Padres system, but none of them in the top ten, and all like nineteen with the exception of like one who's 20. And somehow the Cubs are still paying for some of you Darvish's salary. That, that is absolutely wild. I was robbery. I was listening to the Lawrence Holmes show, the show that of course Herb is the executive producer on when that, when the Darvish trade was breaking. And I remember Lawrence saying, I remember Lawrence Holmes saying at the time, he's like, Gore's got to be going over in this trade. I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be, you know, one of the, and yeah. And I was thinking of that's, that would seem to check out, but yeah. Um, the fact that they didn't is was pretty shocking. And I know the White Sox system isn't as good as the Padres anymore, but if we're still dealing with apples to apples, our top guys are probably maybe mid five, six, seven in their system. We can do trades like the Padres did, maybe not to the scale that they did, but yeah, I, prospect hugging has never been my thing ever. Like, if you see a guy that might be great eventually, like Nick Magical to me is going to be fine. He'll be a major league baseball player for 15 plus years where he'll hit. His ceiling is Altuve. I don't think he'll ever hit with power like that. And he'll be solid defensively. We didn't see a lot of that this year. And the, the smarts on the bases weren't great, but he'll learn, hopefully. Absolutely. But that's not a guy you're holding on to while you're in a championship window. If we give rid of Nick Madrigal and we acquire a guy that's a top starter or a top player for him, and Nick Madrigal goes, goes on and has the career that White Sox fan dreams he has, and we win a World Series, are we bitching? Like, are the Nationals sad that they gave up Giolito, Lopez, Dunning for Adam Eaton? Probably, but ultimately – it went into a championship. He was one of the key cogs into a championship. And I'm thinking like, man, it's sad to see Lucas Giolito do his thing over there, but championship. If we would have got a championship with James Shields, this Fernando Tatis out in San Diego thing would have been a little bit easier to swallow. But since James Shields was trash and trash at the time when they acquired him, we're like, man, would have been nice to just hold on to that guy 
and trade him for something actually great. So I know Fernando Tatis wasn't the highly thought of prospect that he is not, or that he turned into be, but still. Right. Yeah. Told his brother, by the way. Let's just hold on to Elijah. Yeah. <laughs> on that time. Our lesson about that, but yeah, yeah we at Northside are, are not prospect huggers. We, we certainly do not believe in holding on to our prospects. Maybe an awkward handshake, a high five from across the room, but we are not prospect. <laughs> Am I the only person during that Tatis trade at the time that it happened? I was kind of like, I mean, obviously, you know, none of us were thinking about Tatis. That's been talked about a lot, but uh, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know, I kind of like Derek Johnson. <laughs> Yes, you were the only person saying it. You like Derek Johnson. I was happy he was off the team. I was like, yes. I I remember he had like, no, honestly, though, there was like one start that he had that wasn't a very good start. But I remember he was like pumping like 95, 96, which, you know, it's funny how baseball is now. Like that doesn't even seem like that much. But anyway, at the time, it was just like, I don't know. This guy's got a a nice little booming fastball. And uh, yeah, obviously that was, I was, as I'm realizing very quickly, as I'm even speaking now that I was the only person, but uh, went in a, went a very different way. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Herb, as far as what's left in this off season, uh, let's just pretend let's, let's not think about what, what will probably happen. Let's think about what, what you'd like to happen. Um, You know, in, in other words, Reinsdorf, you know, Reinsdorf's locked, locked in a closet somewhere. They got him in his office. He's not allowed out. And uh, Rick and Rick and Kenny can actually do what they'd like to do. Uh, what do you? What would you like to see happen right now? White Sox have two glaring holes right now. One's in starting rotation. One is in the designated hitter spot. They're talking about maybe having Vaughn fill that spot, a guy who hasn't played past single A. Looks like he can get hit. Looks like picks up a bat, hit, hit, hit. But I don't like youngsters who have the ability to field to play designated hitter and to depend on those guys while you're in your championship window right now. So one of my moves would be going to get Marcelo Zuna. I love Boomstick, but that's a one, two-year deal. Getting Marcelo Zuna, three, four years, still youthful, doesn't play the field that well, but he has a plus arm. So you can have him or Eloy, who I would prefer is the designated hitter, but he doesn't want to do that's smooth play left field, hit bombs. So Marcel is a three, four year deal for the White Sox. And then with the starting rotation, you got to go out and get Trevor Bauer. You've uh, messed around and let a lot of people back in the, into the conversation. It reminds me of the Manny Machado thing where the White Sox were in the driver's seat for the Manny Machado thing, but messing around with them, just, oh, here's $190 million. Uh, here's a deal that maybe when you're 34, 35, can make it $350 million instead of the 300 that they're offering. And the Padres saw that, like, okay, it's only $300 million. That's it? Cool. And the White Sox are only competition? Come on now. Let's go and sign them. That's what they have allowed to happen. Now the Dodgers are sniffing around. And big money Dodgers don't need them. Just great to have them. They see what the Padres are doing. Like, you know what? Mm, these, guys, these guys are claw, clawing up. And they had a good series versus us in the playoffs. So let's see if we can get a better starting pitching rotation that we have. Trevor Bauer, two years. I don't know if he wants an extended period amount of money. He probably wants to dip his toe into the free agency market, especially after the CBA retires after this year. And that makes that rotation deadly. Probably, I say, top two, top three rotation in 
the whole league. Who's going to mess with the White Sox? With Trevor Bauer is probably your number two, number one. I mean, he's the Cy Young in the NL, but is he better than Giolito? Well, who had to battle that out? Same thing with Lance Lynn. And having all those guys, like Liam Hendricks, top, I think, 10 in, in, in Cy Young voting in the AL. Having Dallas Keuchel, top 10. Giolito, top 10. Lance Lynn, top 10. And the actual Cy Young from the National League in your rotation, and then that offense that we've already talked about, who's beating the White Sox with the bullpen they have? Come on. We're, we're game's over. Let's play the games to stay healthy. We're going to the series right now. Are we better than twins? Maybe, but do the twins maybe catch us, catch up with us in 162 and do the twin things maybe too. If we get that together, those two guys, twins are an afterthought. They're in the rear view. We're thinking about the Yankees. We're thinking about the Dodgers. We're thinking about the Padres. And we're thinking about setting up rotations for playoffs instead of can we make the playoffs type of garbage. So we need to just put the foot down to the pedal, a pedal to the metal and put it to the ground and say, we're here. Got to do it. It's just money. We have plenty of it. While all these people are crying poor, we have money. Come on now. Let's go into it. Let's go and do it. And one thing people don't understand that, Spending money gets you money. You don't make money by being scared. You make money by having bold moves. And this would be a bold move for both parties. Uh, It would expand Trevor's brand too. Like there's no better team for the Trevor Bauer to be on than the White Sox. The exciting and just the the, the clashes you could have, like him and La Russa, him and Timmy. Not bad clashes, just like, you know, personalities are just different. I just love the mix right there if we can get that going. But those are pipe dreams. I'm thinking I'm downshifting to Nelson Cruz. Awesome. And then they're getting some mids here. I'm glad that Jose Quintana got picked up by the Angels. So glad. Because I didn't want him back here, even though I love my man. That's my man, 50 grand. But no, we're good. Yeah, I think he would have been the uh, the final Infinity Stone in the Redemption Tour gauntlet. If, if, <laughs> seeing as how uh, like time is a flat circle when it comes to the White Sox, like having Q come back like made sense, but not in a good way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Where's Brent Lillibridge to be the, <laughs> <laughs> the crusher? <laughs> um, Herb, that that's a, that's as good of a pitch as I've heard uh, for Trevor Bauer coming to the South Side. But I will, just in the interest of full disclosure, say, and I also will say that I am all for spending money over uh, over trading, you know, prospect equity, even though we're not prospect huggers here. It's all to say that Janice and I definitely have been uh, in lockstep as far as sort of being on the anti-Bauer train, but that's based a lot in the general jackassery. I don't know if that's a word <laughs> that we feel like he kind of he kind of has shown. Um is that is that kind of what are you where are you kind of at with that i mean is that is it sort of just hey just get it done on the field and uh and and win some championships sort of thing um no i've seen his uh his bullying of what is it a teenager um a couple years ago yeah not great not great at all um he's he needs to own up for that stuff and if the white Sox do sign him i would expect the press to push him on that say yeah you have an expanded brand and you want to do this that and the other but what about toxic uh sometimes toxic uh, social media presence here where you're uh, shaming some teenage i think it was a teenage girl out here 
for what? What are we doing? I understand. You got to mature. And I am a guy who used to not like Trevor Bauer at all. And I think he's still kind of got some bad tendencies where I can see why people hate him. And he can do things that are very, very um, hurtful to some. And he has to own up to those things. And that would be great. And if he did it before the White Sox signed him, or this is one of the things that's holding up the White Sox, I applaud the White Sox for saying, we're not going to have people on our team just because they're good at baseball. We're going to have people who are solid citizens who own up to mistakes. Mistakes are, are human. But to own up to it and say, that's my fault, mea culpa. Sorry, how can I make you whole from what I've done? That would be great. And I would be a, a, a solid move for the White Sox to – understand that their community and what they do means a lot. And if Trevor Bauer is not part of that community of spreading love and spreading comfort, like Tim Anderson is, and it seems like Liam Hendricks is definitely a hundred percent into mm-hmm. being a solid citizen on and off the field type of thing. And so, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent. You got to get players because if they do well in the field, I don't care if they're off the field and doing all this garbage, yeah, I want him to be a solid citizen and I want him to be part of this culture that we're creating of great guys on and off the field that compete like hell, but also respect their fellow man. And that, you know, I watched that thread, you know, <laughs> I get a little disrespectful with people on the internet, but it's never in like a, it's cordial. It's not disrespectful and to their person. It's the argument. I'm not doing what about isms. I'm not talking about them personally, not their appearance. I'm talking about the point that they've made and turning it on itself. So he needs to just mature in that regard and a hundred percent make whole what, what he made wrong. And if that is holding up, I want them to say it. I want them to make, make it known. Like some people just didn't fit with us and not necessarily put his name out there. And just like a wink and a nod, a nod, we're like, we know who you're talking about. And that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm actually better with that if they do say that instead of, well, he was just too much money. That's garbage. Right. There's no such thing. I am right there with you. We definitely want uh, dudes, good dudes uh, who are of good character, who kind of uphold uh, this uh, value of just, yeah, just being great guys, both on and off the field. And so uh, while uh, I think uh, in that regard, Bauer can be a little questionable, uh, pivoting towards some of uh, more of the baseball related concerns I have with him is like, yeah, maybe his, his best season was a shortened season. So I'm not exactly uh, too enthusiastic about perhaps uh, labeling him as this elite pitcher. Uh, his second best season, too, was uh, also shortened by injury. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely willing to accept that he may be, uh, you know, a, a volatile pitcher and a perhaps a worthwhile addition to the team. But, of course, there's the bullying. There's definitely kind of the social media antics Uh I don't know. I just find him and his agent both very insufferable people in general. <laughs> but uh, and th- th- that's neither here nor there. That's not neither here nor there. But, but I mean, hey, I mean that real. That's real. I mean, if you feel that, that's real. Then might other people in the White Sox organization feel that too? There is a there is a Trevor Bauer update though that I only learned about uh, oh, just before just before we started recording. Not you know, he's not he didn't sign with anyone. But Janice, do you want to you want to share that? <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so i have um 
repressed this memory already. Uh, so <laughs> apparently Trevor Bauer recorded a song oh. in 2011. <laughs> uh, someone on Twitter posted it. I, I retweeted it because I am a, uh, I'm a sadist apparently. So uh, let's see here. Yeah, so uh, Hayden Wittis, Whitus, uh, has discovered that Trevor Bauer apparently made music in 2011. Uh, a song called Across Time and Space. Uh, so I listened to it for about, I think I got maybe 10 seconds in and I, I just couldn't take it. Uh, I, I don't know if that's him singing. I think it is. No, it, is. That, it totally that, is. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely him kind of a standing cross-armed. Uh, he's got his, uh, I don't know, may, maybe his backup guitarist looking off into the distance. It's a very typical band photo. But uh, but yeah, um, when it comes to baseball players and their musical ventures, it made me really appreciate Yoan Moncada's single. Uh, so that kind of like <laughs> that news got lost actually, just mainly because that was dropped the same day as the Hendrix signing. So uh, yeah, yeah, Liam Hendrix stole the musical thunder that Yoan Moncada was dropping. I actually thought the song was really good. I, it has a nice kind of. Um, kind of like Latin pop rhythm to it. Uh, I'm not sure if Yoan uh, is doing all the vocals on that track. Yeah, but, that's unclear. Uh, <laughs> it, it's really unclear if he's singing with someone else. I, I tried doing some research on the production and uh, maybe if Yoan uh, has more music coming up. Like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. I had no idea that he was also a musician uh, in his spare time. So uh, yeah, just interestingly enough, uh, yeah, just, the, the difference in production quality between Trevor Bauer in 2011 <laughs> and Yohan Moncada in 2020. Uh, so, so musically, the White Sox already have a fantastic uh, third baseman just, just, just releasing, <laughs> releasing bangers to, to, to keep us all dancing throughout the offseason. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if uh, th this really affects uh, our already sort of dismal opinion on Trevor Bauer, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just kind of funny how, I, I don't even know if uh, anyone even knew about this, but it, it's resurfacing, I guess. Like. <laughs> yeah, I checked it out on John Boy. Um, he had it posted uh, for uh, like over some videos and I was like, oh God, this is terrible. I thought it was like current because I didn't get the, I'm glad you guys gave me the, the backstory of that. I thought like he had just did this in this off season. Oh, friends, this is terrible. It's like he's serious, yeah, but you're seriously <laughs> terrible. Like it wasn't him. If he's joking, that's hilarious. It's awesome. But no, he was thinking he was spitting bars. He was out here doing it. No, I mean, man, it's so rudimentary rap. Oh my god, he's so bad. So well, bad. It, don't ever do it. Don't do. It. I mean, I guess. You got to give him credit for doing something, but also, man, no, no, absolutely not. You're you're right though. Like if if it had been, and the context was important with it. Like had had it been, you know, just like like a joke. Like great, go for it. But I was really thinking about it as I was listening to it. I was like, okay, I. The more I was listening, I'm like, I think this was just a serious attempt, especially with the artwork and everything. Which again, it's had the artwork even been like, oh, making fun of whatever that is uh you know go for it but yeah i mean graphic design is my passion <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah and the, but and then the, the mancada the mancada single uh was uh was was fun but you know like like you said janice like i i'm not sure what his role on that track is i mean i was like i was trying to figure out 
does he is he is he uh, on this at all or is it just sort of under under his name or whatever but either way um i hope that we can i hope some some of the some of the beat will ask him a little bit about that and maybe he'll hopefully he'll be uh willing to to talk a little bit about that part of it because I'm, I'm curious to know more about yon mancada's musical yeah, I, ventures I would like more to hear about his musical career like say does he have ghost writers uh say does he have a full band behind him say is he just like really good with using logic like i i want to know like how how far involved he is into his music or or if like say he just hired someone to write a song and just put his face on the the album cover i don't know but. <laughs> i mean i think i've seen this before and it's I guess it's good. I mean, it's not my type of music. I can understand why people would enjoy it because it's got a nice funky beat, nice uh, things you can dance to. But <laughs> if that's his passion, see, that's a little bit more serious. Like he's um, <laughs> and not taking himself too seriously too in this regard. Um, I'm I'm in. I if somebody can dance to it, if somebody finds it uh, good for them. I'm all good for that, but that Trevor Bauer thing is it's not good for anybody. Not at all. No. He needs to get in the studio and get a little bit better production. That's two different things. Like a poor, like 2011, <laughs> what is he, in high school, college? Yeah, and, I think so. Or, and then it's a pro player with Yohan Mankata with a lot of money banked and some production and knowing some music stars in the Miami area. Yeah, it definitely sounds like uh, Trevor Bauer was uh, in his uh, college dorm in front of uh, his uh, 2011 uh, MacBook Air uh, in, with GarageBand open recording this. Uh, that, that's definitely what the production reminds me of right there. All right, so we're having so much fun here on the Northside Sox podcast with the wonderful Herb Lawrence that we actually forgot to take a break. So we have to uh, cut for a, for, for a number of awkward seconds while uh, you hear some words, assorted words from our various sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back. Did you miss us? We missed you. So uh, we're chatting about the um, failed musical career of none other than uh, coveted free agent Trevor Bauer uh, and uh, his MacBook uh, Air and GarageBand. But moving on, because I would like to continue with repressing that memory of ever hearing that song. <laughs> Uh, yeah, one other thing that I, I kind of want to talk about uh, is uh, the Nelson Cruz smoke. So, uh, Herb, you kind of touched a little bit about wanting a boomstick. Uh, it would be super cool to have him in 
in this White Sox lineup uh, in that DH hole. So a few weeks ago, uh, some silly woman said that uh, Nelson Cruz uh, doesn't hit Lucas Giolito as well as he used to. I don't, I don't know who she is, but anyway, uh, th that's definitely not true. Uh, just looking at some of the stats, uh, Nelson Cruz uh, still hit the White Sox very well last year. And so perhaps one a traumatizing thing I still remember is the game where Nelson Cruz hit four home runs off Lucas Giolito. Uh, that was uh, etched into my brain. Uh, oh, wait, not my brain, her brain. The, 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 this, this silly woman who said, <laughs> said that Nelson Cruz uh, and Lucas Giolito, uh, their, their, their baseball beef is over. Uh, like, Giolito has Cruz figured out. No, that's absolutely not true. So just looking very generally, uh, Cruz is still hitting 330, pretty decent uh, off uh, current White Sox pitching. Uh, so yeah, if, if not just to remove uh, that source of angst uh, for the White Sox uh, and just uh, insert it right into, into the heart of the lineup, I think that would really be a really fantastic addition. Uh, and of course, our old friend, uh, Hector, Hector Gomez, uh, he uh, tweeted a photo of himself with Nelson Cruz saying that White Sox fans would have something to look forward to. And so as cryptic as that is, that could mean so many things. Uh, perhaps, uh, I don't know, he could have meant that the White Sox um, have to look forward to uh, facing Nelson Cruz once again in the Twins lineup. So I don't know. I, th I think anything, uh, I, I, I take all rumors with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, um, if you guys would like to sound off a little bit more about Cruz, I'd like to hear it. I think Nelson would be a great addition for the White Sox. It's probably a one, two year thing. Um, they're probably working out those details. Um, either one year like they did with Edwin Encarnacion for 12 million and then the option for the next because he's in his 40s. I believe he's 41, 42 right now. So um, he always hits. He, well, however he got to hitting, how he hits is questionable, but as long as he's still doing those things to hit the way he does, I'm fine with him being on the White Sox because designated hitter has been a hole for the White Sox for far too long. That in right field the right field position we no, we're not going to fix that this year because Adam Eaton's there. He's going to be who he is, but designated hitter. We tried it with Edwin Encarnacion. And I think through a 162, he would have been Edwin Encarnacion would have hit his 30 bombs. He hits every year, but the 60 games didn't really show out and he was not good last year. So we had to let him go having Nelson Cruz on the white Sox, And I Hector has been hit or miss on his, on his uh, releases and his uh, things. He hit on Eloy that they were going to sign an extension. But last year, I think he said the White Sox are going to sign Marcelo Zuna. And White Sox fans were like, yeah. And then Rick Khan had to throw some cold water on that and went out and got Nomar Mazar instead. So hit or miss. And we've, I think he missed a couple more. For this one, I truly believe that Hector knows something the pitcher with Nelson Cruz with Matt all masked up, at least seems like at a gala or something that they both attended um, has some sense, some validity to it. Like, but I also would think my skeptical mind would say, why wouldn't the white Sox already announce this signing? Why would it be so delayed? Why would Nelson Cruz tell this reporter this days before, and then it be announced without anybody else corroborating what, Mr. Uh, Gomez is saying so that's why I get a little bit of pause but 
I'm going to go with my guy, Hector, and say that the White Sox will be eventually signing Mr. Cruz. And like you were saying, Janice, addition by subtraction, not on the Twins anymore, so he can't terrorize us. And then he knows the rest of the AL Central and all the rest of the American League since he's been in this league for a majority of his career. I'm looking forward to him batting sixth, as I said, not depending on him being the cleanup hitter because we have much better hitters than he is at this point. And being a sixth hitter on this team would be Murray's role. He's just coming out sweeping after everybody's already cleaned the bases and he's just getting solo home runs. Awesome. Yeah, yes. I, I'm, all about, I'm all about that signing as well. I think, uh, I, Herb, I think the other reason why I'd be a little bit I'm a little bit surprised that it hasn't already come out from other sources would be because I don't think that this deal would be particularly complicated. You know, when you're signing a guy like him to a one, two year deal, it seems like it'd be pretty, um, pretty simple, but hopefully that, hopefully that comes through. Hopefully Gomez comes through with that. But um, the other thing with, with Cruz is that yes, he's at an age where most, most people aren't playing anymore. Uh, So yeah, people will talk about declines, all that, but I, the way that he's been up until even last season, I'll take that decline. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a off a clip. I think that even if it's not not the same, which it was still really good, I'll take a little bit less because, like you said, he's not going to be the cleanup guy. Um, so you're really putting a guy, a professional hitter, a guy who you know can hit home runs with the best of them, into a lineup that's already pretty terrifying, um, and, and to really solidify that DH spot. Uh, and once again, Andrew Vaughn. Totally could be, you know, t- t- could could is going to hopefully be that guy uh, here soon. But to to rely on that being, you know, you want a little, you want a lot of insurance, especially in a year where that World Series window is wide. You know, it's open. This is there's no more there's no more saying, well, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there. This is kind of when you start getting to that point. Um. So yeah, hopefully they hopefully they wrap that up. It seems like an easy enough signing. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, just the overall arching theme of this entire episode. uh, Everything seems as if it should be so incredibly easy. Like you you see this good player, like the White Sox should be able to be like, yes, we see this good player. Let us bring this player onto our team. So uh, yeah, at face value, uh, I I think it definitely uh, looks incredibly simple. And it's it's probably very simple too, just underneath the surface as well. So uh, yeah, while we're talking about the Twins and uh, free agent acquisitions, I would like to continue to use the Twins uh, as my punching bag and talk about a recent acquisition by the Twins in J.A. Happ where I thought that was a very interesting move, uh, just mainly because uh, the White Sox, uh, as you all know, went 14-0 and against left-handed starters last year. J.A. Happ is a lefty. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, uh, Tim Anderson does very well against Happ in particular. So, uh, yeah, I was listening to Locked on Sox last night, and, uh, yeah, Tanny gave me a shout-out for pointing out that uh, yeah, Tim Anderson uh, hits 563 on base per- percentage is 563 as well against Hap. Uh, he's also just yeah, slugging percentage at uh, one six, oh, 1.063, not 163. Mm. Uh, so yeah, Tim Anderson, I think has Hap's number, but 
it just doesn't doesn't stop there. Uh, Leori Garcia also hits J.A. Happ very well. <laughs> He's batting a uh, lifetime 444 against Happ. Uh, that's four hits in nine plate appearances, which includes uh, two, uh, three doubles and four RBI. So uh, yeah, the, the rest of the lineup also seems to hit, hit Happ pretty well. So it seems as if we have something to look forward to, especially if uh, Happ is uh, in an interesting spot in the twins rotation so uh yeah you you guys and your thoughts on uh this interesting move by the twins like the white Sox, without i mean that 14 and 0 record is already scary versus left-handers and tim like you uh tweeted out the other day janice it was like shocking to see how well he did versus that particular pitcher. But the White Sox as a team last year hit 285, 364 on base, 523 slugging for 887 OPS versus left-handers. They murdered those people. And if I was the Twins, like the one thing I wouldn't bring into the division, and it's not like, like if you have Blake Snell, bring him into the division. Go ahead. Say, yeah, he happens to be left-handed, but also – I think he's one of the best pitchers in the league. I mean, he hasn't pitched as such the last couple of years, but he's one of the best. He's a Cy Young guy. He's good. And good luck with you, White Sox. But he bring in Jay Happ, middle-tier pitcher. White Sox going to feast. Like, when they faced John Lester last year, I was like, come on now. Cubs, you have other people. <laughs> you have other people to pitch. That Friday night game at Wrigley, I knew was I didn't know it was going to happen to that extent where the White Sox just murdered him. Right. Yeah. But I knew they were going to get their their hits off, and later when he returned to guaranteed rate, got their hits off of him. Like this is not the division to bring in lefties. Ask, ask somebody should have called Matthew Boyd up, and he's still having nightmares in Detroit about Tim Anderson, the White Sox. <laughs> Don't bring that garbage to the White Sox. The one thing they can do very very well is hit lefties four powers. So I don't understand who's consulting. Was it Falvey up there? Uh, who was the overarching baseball ops guy? Ugh, it's not a good look when your main competition eats versus the composition you just had. Yeah, no, it's uh, – oh, no, sorry. Continue, Jens. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to be seeing lots of spaghetti parties uh, on the south side. <laughs> Tim Anderson teeing off half, yeah. Uh, fun fact about J.A. Happ, uh, my sophomore, junior year math teacher's cousin. So shout out to Mr. Happ. Uh, it was just like one class. He brought it up. He's like, oh, yeah, my cousin is a is a major league pitcher. And everyone in the class is like, I don't give a shit. And I was like, Happ. I was like, J.A. Happ. He's like, yeah. And I was like, OK, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no. He is from Illinois. If, if I remember correctly. Oh, he actually went to Northwestern. Yes. So, okay. Uh, product of Northwestern baseball. So smart fellow who's going to get lit up in the, uh, in the division. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's nice to kind of be that team. Well, it's also interesting because traditionally if uh, you know, it, it's fun to be able to have these thoughts when a, when an opposing divisional team uh, brings in a pitcher and to be able to say, Oh, like that's, you know, usually we would, we have all these other concerns as Sox fans, but it's sort of nice to be able to say, oh, they're signing J.A. Happ. That's good for us to kind of get into that specific detail of 
uh, what our what our divisional rivals are doing. Um, but it also just speaks to making those finishing moves for this team. And I think why it's it, it can't be stressed enough to just keep adding, keep adding, keep adding, because no one else in the division has really done much of anything to, to that should scare the Sox um, at all, um, let alone bringing in players like Hap, who, you know, it's just not going to go great, probably. But uh, yeah, it, it's fun to kind of be in that position. But you, you got to you can't rely on the inactivity of the of the other teams in your division as to, to be an advantage. Cause like Herb, like you said earlier, it's not about winning the central. Hopefully we're going to see a lot of central titles coming forward. And there's no reason that shouldn't be the case. It's about winning the world series and getting to the world series. So um, we'll see what happens there. Especially after the Lindor trade, uh, the Lin- the Lindor trade did not make the white Sox better. The white Sox have to make the white Sox better. Mm-hmm. Good way to put it. Yeah. I still don't get that trade, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, they were like, who wants who wants friends who, who wants one of the best players in uh, in baseball? All right, Matt, you want him? Take him. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not. It's, it's it reminds me of the Mookie Betts trade. Like, yeah, you draft a guy, you have him in your minor leagues. He becomes what you wanted him to become, a superstar. And then when it comes time to actually reward him for becoming the player that you wanted him to be and beyond, nah, we're good. We're Cleveland. We're we're small market. We don't have money for that guy or all the rest of our stars here. We're just going to draft you up, get you out of here when we uh, have uh, no more use from there. Doing this uh, stuff for him last season, too. It's like, come on, just present him with a deal. Present him with an actual yeah. deal that is market value, maybe over you because you're Cleveland. you got to pay some type of tax. I, I just, uh, just irritating for superstars like that. Baseball is losing itself by doing that like Boston has plenty of money to spend on Mookie Betts and the Dodgers are like, cool. Um, you're on our team now, right? Here's a, here's a bunch of money. You're going to sign it. Yeah. We're, I'm good for that. That's all I wanted. Like mm-hmm. that's all Boston had to do. It wasn't like I want to hit free agency. He didn't hit free agency. He just wanted the deal that he was due. And that's all that these teams have to do. The same thing with the Padres to say, with Tatis the White Sox are famously good for doing this extending their young players while they're in their periods of being inexpensive giving them a little money but eating up some RB years eating up some free agency years being smart about it Rick Hahn is really smart about that I just under I don't understand why you would do all that work with Fernando Tatis and then come away with Jimenez good player fine but a roll of dice. You already have a great player. You are at the this position that you want Jimenez to be at. How about you just extend that money to that guy instead of getting Jimenez? And I forgot the other shortstop they got from him, but he was a once highly touted prospect on the Mets. Rosario, or yeah. was it? Okay, Amad yeah, Rosario. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Was it Cleveland's owner who said a few years ago, like he, he literally just told the fan base, like, yeah, enjoy, enjoy uh, Lindor, Francisco Lindor now, because we're not going to reset. I think he, he kind of like public, he said something along those lines. And I was like, well, on one hand, that would be really frustrating as a fan, but on the other, I can respect um, just saying what, like we, as Sox fans, we have to deal with the, with ownership making decisions and not speaking at all to anybody about it. So uh you know i guess that the uh the candid nature of that is there's something to be said about it but still um janice you're you're definitely right 
uh, about how Lindor not being on, on, on Cleveland anymore is, you know, does not make the White Sox a better team. That said, I am happy that we don't have to uh, uh, pitch to him. <laughs> well, I don't have to pitch to him. I'm happy that this, <laughs> that the, uh, that'd be another, another story. Uh, I'm happy that uh, Giolito and, uh, and Lynn and Keiko and all those guys don't have to pitch to him. It definitely was not Lindor who was the thorn in my side. If anyone, it was Jose yeah. Ramirez. Yes. <laughs> that is certainly just the bane of my existence as a White Sox fan. It's having White Sox pitching fit, face him. Just, yeah. Lindor, in that game, we had that walk off. I, I think we oh, built it. God. Like, it was like, built. I, I knew it was coming. <laughs> it was like, like, oh, here it goes. Yeah. You know what? I, I honestly kind of saw it coming as well, just mainly because uh, I already had all this hubris building up about the White Sox only have to win two more games to win the division, right? <laughs> so, you know, walk in the park. So, um, you know, in, in the past, you know, the, the White Sox have kind of been able to beat up on Cleveland. So, yeah, this should be absolutely just easy, right? We're already ahead, like X amount of runs. And then, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh my yeah. God. So uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of part of the uh, ongoing hubris that uh, we carry as White Sox fans. But, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, the White Sox are definitely not going to get better uh, by division rivals. Um, yeah, pushing away all of these uh, bright young stars who should be paid, who, who should be getting the money that they're worth. But yeah, neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, we're always about people getting their money here on this podcast. We, we, we want to see more money being spent because we know it's there. And uh, yeah, and whenever we hear that it isn't there, we know that's a blatant lie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I believe that does it for this fun uh, first guest edition of Northside Sox. Uh, but yeah, uh, any final thoughts from you fine gentlemen before we continue on with our, with our morning? I just think the White Sox at the end of the off season, which is rapidly approaching, I think we're under 30 days for pitchers and catchers to report, will have resolution at their designated hitter spot and will go into the uh, spring training with this, the current rotation that we have, where it's Giolito, Keuchel, Lynn, Cease and then a combination of Kopech or Lopez or whoever as the fifth starter. Not enough for me, but as White Sox fans, we're used to just downshifting our expectations and saying, well, it's better than it used to be. And the team is better than they ended off in 2020. That's good to look forward to. And I hope they go way past expectation. And Dylan Cease is the perfect four starter. And he has this first complete year of being a starter in the major leagues to be an awesome success. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think that while while expectations have have risen for for Sox, the you know for Sox Nation and the Sox fans, and that that even comes to acquisitions and trades and signings, all of that. Um, while it can seem in the moment like we want more, we want more, we want more. While I do and we do and we all do. Um, you know, they have made those additions and I think we didn't talk too much about them on the, on the show today, other than talking about the bullpen. But again, the Liam Hendricks signing, it was awesome. Uh, after listening to a couple interviews with him, um, he just seems like a really awesome guy as well. A guy that you want on the team on your, you know, playing for your specifically in that closer role. Um, you know, he's a guy that you hate to face, but love to have on your team, I think. 
And uh, yeah, so, so I, I think like all of us, I'm excited to get into the season, but again, I hope that um, those, those necessary additions are made in some capacity here, uh, whatever that might be. Again, thank you. Thank you, Herb Lawrence, for joining us today. Yes. Uh, definitely listen to Locked On Socks with Tanny and Herb, one of my favorite White Sox podcasts. I guess you could listen to us, too. I, I, I guess we're cool. Uh, <laughs> Very <laughs> but, cool. Thank you, guys. Yeah, where, can, where can people follow you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter handle is Ecknerwall23. It's just Lawrence spelled backwards, 2-3. Um, Robin Ventura is number my favorite player as a White Sox. So go there. And follow me for nonsense, general nonsense. Salute. Uh, yeah, as, as purveyors of nonsense. Uh, yeah, we, we, we absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, you can follow Northside Sox uh, on Twitter at the Nor at Northside Sox Pod. Uh, follow me, Ascurioso, which is basically my last name misspelled, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Anyway, have a fabulous Saturday morning. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.